It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Thank you for making this part of your daily routine, whatever it is that you're doing, wherever you're going to work, going home from work, going to the gym, whatever it is. Thanks for bringing us along and making us part of your day. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales from RedsArmy.com and Boston.com, Jay King from MassLive.com, doing great work there. And today we are talking about a couple of things that appeared in the local print. Marcus Smart talking to... The Globe's Adam Himmelsbach about sitting and watching and the sitting and watching driving him insane as he recovers from a thumb injury. And that's a direct and, quote. And that's a direct quote. And, and oh, so much fun out in Utah ahead of the game against the Jazz. Mr. Gordon Monson of the Salt Lake Tribune, just a vicious hit piece on Gordon <laughs> Hayward out of nowhere, off the top rope, basically saying, we're not mad. We're actually laughing. Us and our hot wives, we're laughing about this whole thing. So we'll talk about all of that uh, on today's program. Why don't we just start with that, Jay? Um, this was this was kind of really weird. It's <laughs> just weird. He, he compares Hayward's ankle injury, first of all, to Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam. And then <laughs> proceeds to rip Hayward a new one and saying, no, we're better without you. Yeah, it was – I didn't think the column actually deserved as much heat as it got. Like, I, I don't think I've seen a column in a long time actually get as much heat as that one did. Um, so, I, I don't know whether it deserved all the hate it got. It was – it was definitely not what I would have written if I were a Utah Jazz writer. Uh, the the one thing that that Jazz writers keep bringing up and just makes no sense to me is that he should have helped them win the deal on the way out. What was he supposed to do? Was he like? Was he really supposed to? To force the Celtics into a sign-in trade? Was he really supposed to diminish the team he was deciding to join because they had a brighter future? Was was that what he was supposed to do? Like if if Yeah. If one of if yeah, one of us them, yeah. if one of us leaves our job, do we demand that the, the place we're going to sends back a good worker to the, the other place? Like, no, it's just not how life works. It's not how anything works. So 
that part that part was weird to me. And then the whole part about how the the Hayward wasn't a big part of what the Jazz were doing was just stupid. Like, come on, man. I didn't think it was quite as bad as as a lot of people made it out to be, but it was. It wasn't right. It wasn't a good column. It wasn't smart or intelligent or particularly well written. It it didn't need to be written. No, it did not need to be written. I think the it started with the tweet that the Tribune Sports Twitter account put out, which said. Dear Gordon Hayward, the Utah Jazz are doing just fine without you. Rudy Gobert is a stud, and uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be a star, probably a bigger, probably bigger than you. You're not missed. Sincerely, Gordon Monson. Like that was the tweet itself. Uh, yeah, I think the tweet made so it a lot worse. Incendiary. That made it like because you know how Twitter blows things up. That that tweet was basically a big. Fuck you, Gordon Hayward. Look how good we are. We don't need you. We're better without you. So the tweet was much worse. Than yeah, the, the, the tweet made the it a lot worse. Bad. Yeah, the tweet made it a million times worse. And that's and because Twitter is Twitter, when you've got a tweet that's that bad, people are going to react immediately to, to that. And then people are going to start getting their jokes off. Because that, that's how it works. And that was the, a great setup for a lot of Twitter jokes. So that, that really is why things spiral out of control. If you read the piece... It, it wasn't that much... Like, as far as hatchet pieces go, it wasn't the worst at all I've ever read. It, and honestly, like the way Hayward left, yes, he went to a place where... I don't think you could fault him for choosing Boston... Obviously, Boston has a great situation. Boston has a lot of talent. Boston, even without him, is probably going to win 55-plus games and be the number two or one seed or whatever they get. You can't fault him for that. But I I do think the way he left and the way, especially the last day of his decision, went with the report early in the day that he chose Boston and then like six hours or whatever it was of – of nothingness, I do think that was handled poorly, and maybe that wasn't on him, but it certainly looked like it was on him, and he had made his decision, and he just wanted to release this Players Tribune piece, which is understandable. But when you're leaving teams in limbo, when you're leaving everybody in limbo, it's just a tough thing. You don't want to do that. So I, I do think there are parts of his departure that were really handled poorly, and I understand why some Jazz fans and columnists or whoever would be salty about that but the the article it went over the top i mean it, it definitely went over the top but it wasn't it, honestly it wasn't the most over the top thing i've ever read I, I i wasn't too too bothered by the column itself like i, I didn't think now, it was that bad the column itself like i said the tweet was much worse than the column the column was garbage but there's you probably find a shaughnessy piece that's hotter garbage than that probably five, six times a year, <laughs> but that's still the, I agree with you. The notion that they say, and this is, this is the, the passage that is, is what you were talking about where he said it could have been handled so much better by him handled in a manner by which 
he still could have left to play for his college coach and simultaneously ease the departure for his former team by helping it win in the deal, too. Uh, he says that Hayward ducked down a back alley to Boston. This is this is when you talk about people who really have little concept of the inner workings, either either it's one of two things. Either you have little concept of how the NBA works or he's being, being purposely inflammatory to play directly into a rabid fan base because the idea, like you said, that he would basically force the Celtics to give up players that he wants to play with. You're leaving the Jazz to go to Boston. What? If it was reversed, if he was leaving Boston to go to the Jazz, why would why would he say, "Oh, let's let's force a deal here to get rid of players that will help me"? I'm leaving, in part, to go win. When has anyone in history ever done that? It it's literally oh, Chris, Paul. Chris Paul. Well, Chris Paul had to because the Rockets didn't have cap space. It, That's true. The Celtics true. the Celtics had ways to get cap space, like. It wasn't a thing where, where it was possible to force this. It was not happening, no matter what. So, and it's never happened before. It's not something that, literally, to my knowledge, has ever happened, where a star forced a team into a sign and trade while the other team had cap space. It's and and that to me is just it's just weird when when people think that he should have done that. That's that's bizarre to me. Uh, there were there were other parts of the call that I don't agree with, but whatever. Like <laughs> it, it, it's it's a salt a, sal- a salty columnist. Like I, I could see Shaughnessy writing something like that. I could see some some other columnist in some other city writing that. I I didn't think the column itself was like too egregious. It, it wasn't right. It wasn't wasn't wow. great, but it wasn't too egregious. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
again, we've seen worse. So that's that. That was that was fun for a while on Twitter. Uh, before we move on to Marcus Smart, I would like to uh, remind everybody uh, and kind of help the network make an announcement. Remind everybody that there are other locked on locked on podcasters for other sports. Uh, if you are a fan of the NFL or if you're a fan of the Patriots, if you're a Boston person, all of your tastes, if you whatever fan you are, whatever team you're a fan of, and now they're expanding into Major League Baseball. So the, league, the, the network is expanding into MLB. So start looking for your favorite MLB team if you want to follow a Lockdown podcast. So search for that on uh, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you found us. Go ahead, search for your favorite NFL team, and slowly but surely, we will have every baseball team covered as well. All right, Marcus Smart talking to Adam Himmelsbach about just going completely insane without uh, the ability to play basketball. Uh, he said in the Globe today, you know, you go to the gym, you walk in, and really that's it. I don't put a jersey, don't do any of that. So I've been doing that my whole life. So it does drive me a little crazy. But bigger picture, my time is going to come. So and he, in this piece – he says he's targeting, uh, hopefully, the second round of the playoffs. So that's good. A little bit of an update that he is, hopefully, well, if the Celtics can indeed get by a first-round opponent, that we can hopefully have Marcus Smart and Kyrie Irving back to start that second round. Yeah. That, I mean, that would be, that'd be nice. That would be, <laughs> that would, be that two, would help. two good guys to have. It's interesting because I think – Brad Stevens now has more decisions to make lineup-wise once those guys do return. Because the way Terry Rozier has played, I think he's played himself into the conversation of being in the closing unit, right? Like, it's it's typically been, like, Kyrie and Smart, some combination of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford. But Rozier, I think, the way he's played, the way he shot the basketball – the way he's defended, the way he's rebounded, you've got to at least think in some circumstances, in some matchups, that he's going to factor into Brad Stevens' decision-making. So once Smart gets back, they'll kind of have like, what, seven guys who could potentially be in that closing lineup. So Kyrie and Horford will be, obviously. And then it's Rozier, Smart, Tatum, and Brown for the other three, and Morris. For the other three spots, who 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 would you have in your closing lineup most nights? My closing lineup would be uh, I would put Smart back out there, and I, I think I'm going to go with Tatum and and uh, Jalen Brown. I think those guys, and I think that's going to give the Celtics that maximum switchability. And I understand what Terry Rozier has been doing, and Morris has obviously been huge. I think those guys can be the guys that carry the team to start the fourth quarter and and get the Celtics in position to put Kyrie and whomever else back in the game. But to close, obviously Kyrie and, and Horford, like you said, Smart, Tatum, and Brown give you the ability to switch everything with their length and with their athleticism. And Smart's the guy that can, if you get some sort of cross matchup, 
against a big, it's not going to kill you because we've seen guys can't post up Marcus Smart. That he'll he'll find a way to even if he gets a big on him, make a play where I don't think Rozier is able to do that. So uh, I, I think I'm going to go with that Horford, Kyrie, Smart, Jalen, and and Tatum. And the only caveat would be if Tatum for some reason gets that like. I don't know, rookie deer in the headlights. If he can't quite handle the moment, the playoff moment, then maybe at that point I'd go with uh, uh, Marcus Morris because he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I, I don't feel like Tatum will give a shit either. Like I don't think so either, but you know, he's a rookie and you don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But everything he's shown so far suggests that he'll be poised and he'll be confident and he'll be ready. He hasn't done one thing all season to suggest that he'll be afraid of the moment or shy away from the moment or at all be unsure of himself in any situation. Maybe like the first five minutes he played against LeBron in his very first game. But after that, it's just been like pretty pretty smooth considering the fact that he's a 19, 20-year-old rookie. Um, but I, I do think there, there's just... There are going to be options. I think it'll depend on the team. I think sometimes you might want to have speed out there. Terry Rozier just burns people. And, mm-hmm. like, let's say they're playing the Cavs. And the Cavs have, you know, like Rodney Hood at the two. Like, throw Terry Rozier out there. He can guard Rodney Hood, but can Rodney Hood guard him? I don't know. So, speed speed will be something. And then it's going to be it's going to be weird, man. Um, because oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you got it. You got it. <laughs> what to your point? I think what Rozier and Morris do give the Celtics is the ability to kind of roll with a lineup. That you you know what I mean? Like if you're in the middle of the fourth quarter and it's working, you don't you don't feel the need to go with other players like if if smart and jalen brown are for some reason on the bench and the celtics are making a comeback or extending a lead you can just roll with that lineup and that's i think where that rosier and morris thing really help the celtics and give other options you you can close with them if it's working and someone else just sits then you can just turn to marcus and say hey man we're just gonna ride this wave you you take a rest or whomever is on the bench, you can rest and you feel comfortable with those guys uh, as opposed to maybe in the past where you say, all right, this is working for now, but let's get these other guys in and let's make sure we can close the deal. I, I feel comfortable with these guys closing the deal if they've got it rolling. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. And then, Brad, I mean, Brad never goes big. Brad, <laughs> Brad will never, I don't think he'll trust Aaron Baines or Greg Monroe in big moments because when when it gets to it, Brad always wants to be able to switch and have versatile smaller lineups. It's just what he's always done. So, mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, he could try to play offense defense and have Baines in there for some defensive possessions. He could try to use Monroe in some situations where Monroe might be helpful, but I don't see him trusting a big dude. I, I am looking forward to seeing what the playoff rotation will be because yeah 
especially before Kyrie and Smart get back, it feels like the Celtics might have to cut things down. Like I don't think you'll see too much Abdulnader. I don't think you'll see too much Shemi Ojale. No. I think it'll be just. I mean, if if Rozier is still starting for Kyrie Irving, it'll probably be like Marcus Morris and who off the Greg bench? Monroe. Greg Monroe. Greg Greg Monroe. And and who? I mean, that might be it. <laughs> I mean, really, with, with some, with, you might see some spot Shemi Ojale just to see if you need him defensively. But I, I don't think so. Oh, uh, Shane Larkin. Yeah, yeah, Shane Larkin too. Yeah, I Shane can't Larkin believe we, we just if forgot trust, Shane. Shane I'm sorry, Shane, man. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It, it just, I don't know. So, yeah, it's how it goes sometimes. So Shane Larkin would definitely he he trusts Shane. And Shane's been a nice spark. Plug. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of worked for him. So uh, I think I think that that works as far as and and maybe there might be some nights where Monroe doesn't get any burn. But I, I don't think you go any further than that. Yeah. Sorry, Abdelmaid. Uh, I think Ojale could play some, like the right some. mat, the right matchup. I think they'll they might throw Ojale out there, go a little smaller, see what see what they could do with that. But yeah, we'll we'll Maybe. see. It's too it's too bad they don't have a full roster because with a full roster, Brad would have a lot of options. Like. He would really have a lot of options, but Kyrie being out and Smart being out and Tice being out really limits some of the things he can do and, and try like 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 even the point Horford lineup, which which they only tried because they were totally out of guards one night and they were like, Yeah, whatever. We'll 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 run Al Horford at point. That could kind of be a neat lineup. Like for a, a playoff situation, if you threw out Horford, Tatum, Brown, Morris and smart or you know like that could be or ojale throw ojale out there maybe that could be that could be fun but it would be wild in the first round of the playoffs you'd have you'd have to out there against the heat you'd have to to get so many stops because i don't think that group is scoring too much but who knows maybe they will point horford but yeah There's just so so many things Brad could have done with a full roster that he won't be able to do because they're beaten up. Well, we'll see because Kyrie could still come back in the middle of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. But that three weeks, that three week, if everything goes right and he heals quickly, that's three weeks is day one of the first round. Now, I know that Brad Stevens has said that's like the beginning of when he's supposed to get back to basketball-related activities. So he may not be ready to play but you know how the the playoffs are spaced out he might miss the first couple of games and depending on how that goes if the Celtics win those first couple of games they might just let Kyrie kind of slowly work his way back but it's possible he could make it back in, in the middle of the first round and at least play under a minute's restriction to get himself ready for the second round so we'll see we'll see how that goes see, I, I don't would be surprised if the Celtics get into the second round of the playoffs where Marcus Smart is back and healthy, Kyrie is back and healthy. And the good thing about his his knee is it's structurally sound, and that thing that they removed, the guitar string from his knee, is was the thing that was causing the irritation. So everything should be fine. It's just a matter of recovering from the procedure. So that that's all good news. 
He's just got to make sure that that thing is is healed and he could he could be back. So that second round series, whatever it is, I think they could be in a good spot there. So it sucks. The Tice thing is it really sucks. It takes away a nice option to to throw at teams, a nice athletic big that really could help off the bench, but. That's that's the thing that really sucks because he was he's an underrated key to to what the Celtics were doing. Yeah, but before we move on, I do want to highlight just how strong Marcus Smart's quotes about not playing were. Yeah, go ahead. Th- this is to Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe. It drives me insane. You get to the gym, <laughs> walk in, and really that's it. I don't put on a jersey. And don't do any of that. Like I, I just see him just sitting there in the locker room, like <laughs> just brooding. Seething. Yeah, just, just like making a kill list for when he returns. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Smart, that is one competitive dude. And when, when you take his competitive juices away and you make him watch his team instead of playing, it, it hurts him, man. It's funny because he's, he's not always the greatest quote for reporters. But in times of like, like being passionate about winning or competing or anything like that, he just has this edge to him, and, and you can see it in the in the things he says. I mean, it drives me insane. Yeah, I I, I, be, I believe him, man. I don't think yeah, he's exaggerating. <laughs> but look, he, he even you talk about his competitiveness. They said, you know, so he's he's got a, got like a, a smaller splint on, and he said there's a, a smaller hole at the top for thumb movement. They said. So he's able to do some like thumb exercises, and they ask him what that included. He smiles and just wiggles his thumb slightly, and then he says, "I try to play uh, the game uh, a little bit with it, you know, that movement when you try to do video games." So he's like, just a little thumb hole at the top where he can wiggle his thumb a little bit. He's like, "I try to play a game with that." Like he's competitive enough where like even that is is a game to him, and he's trying to like win that. So I don't know. That, that's that's Marcus. <laughs> and he's still he's still classic he's Marcus like, Smart. He's still gonna dive. He still, doesn't matter. He's not scared off of that shit. He's still gonna go Superman for loose balls. It is what it is. Yeah, that's Marcus Smart. Classic. Uh, classic Marcus be- Smart. Before we wrap up, let's just do a quick little run through because uh, standings wise, there are a couple of things that could impact the Celtics. We're recording after so the Wizards beat Sacramento. I mean San, San Antonio, so they were in danger of falling into that seventh spot. Uh, they are holding on strong at six. I do not want to see the Wizards in seven. The Heat right now are beating the Cavaliers with just under eight minutes to go, and they're up fourteen. And then Milwaukee plays the Clippers later on tonight, uh, the last game on TNT. Milwaukee is a half game up on Miami for the seventh seed. So if Miami holds on, they will move into a tie percentage points ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks, if they lose, would fall behind into the eighth spot. So lots of lots of playoff implications going on tonight in the NBA. Playoff implications. If, if any of you just heard the closing song from Millie's <laughs> I am I am deeply sorry it was it it somehow started playing on my computer and I may or may not have recorded it I'm not 100% sure if it was recording 
I didn't hear it. I could hear it in my ears, so we'll see. We'll see if the people heard right. it. If you well, did, if you my- did, I, like, I'm, I'm grateful for you guys because, <laughs> because you should want to hear that more often, my man Millie's. Well, you might as well play it now because I think we're done with the show anyway. I, so. I'd have to agree. If you are not a subscriber, we hope you've enjoyed this show enough to become one. Go search for Locked On Celtics wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. If you are a subscriber, you know what we're looking for, that five-star rating that just fulfills us, fulfills our souls to the core. And uh, leave a five-star review. Leave a good review. Let people know that they should be listening to us. We are the Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.